Vegas takes over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marshall fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marshall. 4-2 Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Wallace out on the homestead, Millard out at the estate, and Chapman back inside the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports, Las Vegas Studios, Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Getting into it today, there's uh, some stuff happening around the North Division and when they're going to get back into action with the Vancouver Canucks. JT Miller came out with some strong statements yesterday. They revisited the return to play that the Vancouver Canucks were going to jump back into after a three-week pause due to a COVID outbreak. And uh, doesn't sound like uh, tomorrow night's game against the Edmonton Oilers is going to happen. So a moving target there. And why we want to concentrate uh, on some of that, uh, even though it's the North Division, is if it gets pushed back much further, the playoffs and uh, the the trickle-down effect is maybe the Golden Knights have a longer break between the regular season and the uh, and the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So uh, we'll fill you in on what's happening on that front. Zeroing in on a major accomplishment, a little history with the San Jose Sharks, and it's going to happen against the Vegas Golden Knights. Patrick Marlowe, with all the changes to the schedule, is now set up to break Gordie Howe's all-time games played record uh, against the Vegas Golden Knights and that's coming up in in a few days time so we've got that uh, to look forward to as well plus the continuation of a Golden Knights road trip which takes them to Anaheim after sweeping the two-game set against the Los Angeles Kings and last night's victory over the LA Kings never seemed to be in doubt so I have the funny anticipation the uh, little spider senses one person uh, maybe two i doubt we'll get a sweep because chapman will find some reason to be upset <laughs> with uh, with the performance but boy what uh, what a uh, a significant performance by the golden knights i thought i honestly thought la would play tighter than they did but uh, on, on the grand scheme of things, it was uh, a game in which you saw real separation between a team that was selling at the deadline and then playing up the string and a team that is uh, zeroed in and trying to chase down first place. Yeah, it was clear that last night there was one team that really wanted two points and there was another team that was just kind of indifferent to it. And, you know, for the Golden Knights, it's it's an opportunity, right? It's an opportunity to, to get that sweep, to get two points, to keep pace with the Colorado Avalanche. And throughout the entirety of that game, the Vegas Golden Knights were the more desperate team. They were the team that wanted the win, and it showed and reflected in the way that they played impressive uh, from what you saw from the first line. I thought the second line, the Carlson line, was was really good. And then that third line, the new-look third line, the debut of Matthias Janmark, along with Alex Tuck uh, going up uh, and down the wall, and with uh, Thomas Nosek uh, playing and continuing his hot run. There's been, there's been 
anticipation before. We certainly saw that with Robin Leonard and Alec Martinez. Uh, certainly witnessed it uh, with the debut of Mark Stone a couple of years ago and then the arrival of Max Pacioretty. This was different. This was adding some depth, a player that, quite honestly, the average fan may not have heard of uh, before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, with the education, you knew that he was uh, going to step in and uh, and should be able to provide a little bit of uh, depth to the to the Vegas Golden Knights. When you witness what you saw with both Tuck being able to score, Nosek being able to score, Yanmark uh, contributing on on a couple of those plays, uh, distributing the puck in the neutral zone and just getting the puck out in the defensive zone, uh, it had uh, people all over social media highlighting the fact that it's finally happened. The Golden Knights have that third line. Uh, are you ready to go that far yet, or are you just still <laughs> cautiously optimistic but buoyed by what you saw? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very much uh, intrigued by what I saw last night. I'm very much looking forward to see how that chemistry can continue to build, and I'm encouraged, right? I'm encouraged by... Matthias Janmark's debut and and the chemistry that he seemed to have right off the bat with Alex Tuck and with Tomasz Nosek and you know uh, a couple of things that that really stand out to me where Matthias Janmark went to in the offensive zone the net it, it all it, that's where he wanted to get to and you could just get the sense for the player in that regard that that he's going to go to that area every opportunity he gets in the offensive zone and then his speed he complements the the speed of Alex Tuck and and it's one game but I feel like those are so uh, so important to building and continuing to grow that chemistry uh, that, yeah, I'm very much encouraged by what I saw between those three last night against the LA Kings. Made a play in the neutral zone and set up the puck. It didn't, wasn't through his skating that, that he moved the, that he made the, sure the play was fast. It was through moving the puck, and I thought that was great. Uh, an incredible sign of a one-touch pass in the neutral zone to keep the play going up ice fast. Uh, made a defensive zone play where he didn't get an assist, actually, uh, but uh, on the no-set goal and was able to, uh, to facilitate the puck out of the zone, but not just out of the zone, but uh, to one of his teammates. And again, that shows a player that is aware of, uh, of where teammates should be on the ice. Uh, I don't know how much he was thinking last night, but uh, it did appear to me that, uh, that he was um, further along than a player that just uh, had had changed teams and flown across the country and was playing his first game. Uh, it showed some hockey sense, and some some uh, awareness, and uh, you can talk about the physical skills, you can talk about uh, the ability to go to the net, but the the hockey sense uh, jumped out at me last night. Now on the on the physical side, uh, I I likened this uh, to to somebody this morning. It was with the two maroons. We were talking about Yanmark, uh, and I said. <laughs> The, the the effectiveness of Yanmark will be will be clearly displayed when a goal is scored or the goaltender makes a save and the director of that television broadcast cuts to that tight shot of the net where the goalie is and mm-hmm. in this case it was Jonathan Quick and the person that you the only other person you see or the only Vegas Golden Knight player you see in that shot after after a goal is scored with Yanmark on the ice, is Yanmark. He may have not sure. have scored the goal. He may not have picked up a point on the goal. But he is the guy 
that's closest to the net when the puck went in the goal. And we saw that on a couple of occasions last night where it was Yanmark around the net. And and I think that is going to be, as much as we love the speed and I love the hockey sense, it's that, that determination to get to the blue ice and be around the net on every single chance that he is on the ice for. Yeah, I mean, that was really what jumped out at me in, in just in terms of watching him play last night and and how often he would get to that area of the ice. And, you know, when he had a couple of looks himself, himself he he's right in and around that area. And, you know, you, you look at the Alex Tuck goal, and you're, you're absolutely right there. And Tuck scores, and it's Yanmark cutting across the screen right in front of the net. And, and that's the type of player that, that I think the Golden Knights have been, have been looking for for a while. And, and it's certainly the type of player that I think fans have been wanting to see on that third line with this club, a player that every single time they're on the ice in the offensive zone, their objective is to get to the front of the net and make life difficult for the opposition goaltender and opposition defense. Not hold your own, not just buy some time for the first line or the second line to catch its breath, but yeah. to produce offense. And uh, Nosek's been doing it. Tuck has been hot the last couple of games, and when he gets on a roll, he's like March, so it goes uh, for a certain number of games. It's uh, it's it's really positive. We'll see where it, where it goes from here, but mm-hmm. for a for a one game sample size, it was really good. Like not not just that Nosek and and Tuck scored, because they were already playing great, right. but the involvement of Yanmark in. fit right in had to be a lot of nerves uh and and not trepidation but uh but uh just what am i what is my job here this team is going this team is challenging for uh, a stanley cup and and trying to fit in that that would relax him i would think uh, a thousand percent yeah, I, I think it's interesting, too, because, you know, you get into an opportunity or, or a situation where, you know, you're familiar with the guys that you're playing against. And, and Matthias Yanmark got a lot of, uh, of firsthand experience playing against Alex Tuck and, and, you know, to a certain extent, Tomas Nosek last year in the bubble. And, and I think that there's probably some, some of that recall of, of understanding what they were trying to do last season in the bubble and what areas of the ice they are going to. And maybe that has something to do with just kind of fitting into and, and reading off of the plays that they're making. But, you know, for me, I, I think that this is a great opportunity for Matthias Janmark. And, and granted, Chicago this season has overachieved to the point where not many thought they would be in the playoff race this late. But, you know, there's a difference between the Chicago Blackhawks and where they are right now as an organization and what the expectations are versus where the Golden Knights are. And this is a great opportunity for Matthias Janmark to put his stamp on that and be a real contributor for a team that's expecting to go deep in the playoffs. How excited was everybody to see what they had in Matthias Janmark? Well, Twitter did erupt because of the play <laughs> of the third line. And that third line overshadowed the stone line, and the stone yeah. line scored three goals. And nobody was talking about that uh, during or after the game. Uh, a little bit of discussion about the fluky goal that, that Pacioretty scored on the bad bounce against Jonathan Quick. But it was all about... The, the the third line and 
I like it. I like what what I saw last night. I want to see more. I want to see some consistency. I want to see uh, uh, how do I put this? I want to see the production go through Yanmark and continue to go through Yanmark, and this not just be riding the Nosek heater and mm-hmm. Alex Tuck finding his confidence. And and I'm not sure that there's a real going to be a real separation there. Uh, how you determine? What is Yanmark's influence and what is Nosek just playing some of the best hockey of his career, equaling his career high for points and goals in a season last night with, with his performance? Um, what is Alex Tuck just God-given ability and taking the puck to the net and, and using that release? Uh, is it just him or is it part of that third line? If it continues, I would say there's some influence from Matthias Yanmark and you've got something there. If it doesn't, then was it was last night just the the trickle down of, of two players who are on a roll? That'll be the interesting thing to watch as we as we size up the Anaheim series and then a couple of games against the San Jose Sharks. No, you're absolutely right, and and it's it's interesting because you know it, it seemed so effortless last night, so seamless that those three players were kind of able to feed off of one another and as Matthias Yanmark gets more comfortable and as the you know Pete DeBoer and the coaching staff starts to kind of implement more in terms of the system and the structure that they want him to play what changes if any are we going to see with with those three players but I, I just I think that when when we're looking at that third line and you get the flash of what they could potentially do and we saw that last night and then you start to think about if you get that on a nightly basis and I'm not talking necessarily about the production the two goals that you get but I'm talking more about the fact that you can you can generate those plays offensively you can have those shifts where you dominate within the zone you can really make it difficult and and lighten the load a little bit for stone's line and for carlson's line if you start to get that night in and night out then that just makes the golden knights so much harder to play against yeah absolutely and and if the, what struck me as i was watching i i thought to myself went back to Pete DeBoer's comments going into the bubble that Alex Tuck can create bad matchups. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when he gets those bad matchups, because the opposition is focused on Stone and Carlson, and you don't have the the uh, the necessarily the, the shutdown players available to play uh, uh, as much against the third and the fourth lines, you can take advantage of that. And I'm watching him last night going, this is what a bad matchup looks like. With yep. Nosek, with Janmark, and with Tuck. I mean, I st- I, I've watched it 20 times. I still think Janmark deserved an assist on the uh, on the first goal. <laughs> I, I, I think the officials ruled that he never touched it on the chip out. But if yeah. he doesn't make that play and tie up the defenseman who's pinching, there's no way that that puck gets out and, and gets to Nosek. Uh, so even if he doesn't pick up an assist, he makes the play that leads to the opportunity to shoot the puck and uh, it takes a hit, takes a bump, uh, and to to make a play. That whole uh, coach speak that we hear all the time. Uh, he did that last night, and it was it was an impressive uh, part. And I, I'm ex- I'm Boyd. I'm excited. Uh, uh, it's it doesn't happen often. There's there's a few teams. Colorado's got it, where mm-hmm. you look through the lineup and and you're looking forward to seeing 
who's on that third line and what they can do because they're so dangerous. Uh, there's there's very few teams that can go that deep, that deep with that type of uh, offensive ability. And right now, Vegas has it. Certainly with Yanmark with 10 goals on the year and the mm-hmm. impressive debut and the, the, the puck sense, the hockey sense that he showed. Uh, certainly with Tuck with, with 15 on the year and, and rediscovering his scoring touch. And we'll see if Nosek is just on a good stretch or whether this turns into what a lot of people have seen for a long time or waited to witness was... Uh, an explosion of another level of offense. I mean, this is the what the third time in his career he scored eight goals uh, mm-hmm. in in, in yep. his career. Like he's always been around there uh, for 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 his, uh, his time in the Vegas Golden Knights. Can he raise that bar significantly? And maybe it will be with the addition of Yanmark and uh, with the addition of Alex Tuck. But the other part is that first line last night, guys, was going. And, and was great. Chandler Stevenson, since he's come back with the suspension, has been a, a better player. And I think just an energized player. I don't think it's uh, he didn't change anything. I don't think he's playing with a chip on his shoulder or anything like that. I'm just uh, the rest that he got during those five or six days uh, of not playing a game uh, is incredible. And you're, you, you watched it. Uh, Patch Reddy. Had had some beautiful hands last night. Uh, the the fluky goal, yeah, that that's one thing. But to corral that puck and feed it to Chandler Stevenson, and then the setup to Stone was uh, was outstanding. That for they didn't they didn't get all the press because it was a, a marvelous debut by by Yanmark and fitting him with that third line. But the first line just looks uh, like they've uh, they've collected themselves and they're ready to take control again. Well, it's the right complement of players, and and I think that's the thing, right? Like we we've talked about Stone and Pacioretty and the career years that they are having, and then we look at the center iceman that they've got, and it's Chandler Stevenson. And when when Stevenson's out of the lineup, they they just don't look and they aren't as productive as they are with Chandler Stevenson in the lineup, and it's because of that complement of of Chandler Stevenson and his speed and all the things that he does that really fit seamlessly with Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty, and. You know, when when you talk about matchups and, and specifically to Alex Tuck, it's it's a really difficult to create that matchup if you're the only player going on a line, if you're asked to do everything yourself. And and so I think finding the right complementary pieces to surround Alex Tuck with, if it works, makes that matchup something the Golden Knights can exploit in the future. Huge. And and just speed uh the, the when you get worn down you've got somebody on on every line that's mm-hmm. got breakneck speed yeah uh, will carrier has awesome jets yeah uh, he's playing on your on your fourth line uh with with nick wall right now like outstanding jets uh you've got the the tuck combination with yanmark on the second line giddy up and go uh, I, I think William Carlson can get up and down the ice, and that's not taking away anything away from Riley Smith and, and, and uh, Jonathan Marcheseau, but I love the way William Carlson can skate. And then Chandler Stevenson just changes the look of that Pacioretty and, and Stone line. But it's, as, as much as his speed is a factor, he's, just, he's given that line a fresh uh, outlook physically. And and uh, I've, I've had a chance to talk to the players a little bit 
mm-hmm. and and Pacioretty just said he looks like he's shot out of a cannon right now, uh, a <laughs> rocket ship out there, and and he's he's uh, everybody's everybody's dealing with the the schedule, but that little break has changed things and given and just freshened things up uh, with with that top line with Stone and Pacioretty, and I don't think it should be dismissed entirely. It's the wrong reason to miss games. Sure. Uh, you don't want to give up the salary either. Uh, you don't want to put your your team in a bad situation. But the rest, it, it almost makes me think, if that's what Stevenson looks like after having a few games off, and nobody, and nobody's getting three games off unless it's an injury. Right. But is it worth giving somebody one or two games off during this final stretch drive? If that's what, what Chandler Stevenson looks like, after a couple of games, three games rest, how does how does Stone react? How does Pacioretty react? How does Riley Smith react? Uh, go on down the list. It, it the final ten games. Do you put some kind of rotation in place where you might have some load management? And I'm not a big believer in load management. I hate it. In fact, mm-hmm. I think it's ridiculous in basketball that people, uh, for fans that go to games and and don't get a chance to see Kawhi Leonard uh, play, and it might be the only game or only game that uh, that they go through town and, and they don't get to see him. I think it's ridiculous, and uh, and, and quite frankly, uh, I would I would demand money back. Maybe it's not personal injury, but I call my friend Sam and Ash and say, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm offended by that. Uh, I, I'm not a, I don't like it at all. But yeah. in this season, in this scenario, I'm willing, and especially after seeing the impact on Chandler Stevenson, I'm willing to buy into it on on a sort of a one-off. You know, I I I'm there with you. Like I, I think that when you when you consider this season and you consider the toll that that this um, that this compacted schedule can take on on your body physically and and also mentally, like. I think that just being able to get away from the rink, even for a day or two, whatever the case may be, might be everything that a player needs to kind of get back to the rink feeling rejuvenated, feeling uh, centered and focused. So I think I think it's something that should be entertained and, and looked at throughout the remainder of the season. But you know, you can also have games like you did last night where you can you can roll four lines and you can have a good strong four line game and kind of limit those minutes within a game to try to rest the body as much as possible down the stretch if you're really gung-ho on trying to win that first overall seed, which it appears the Golden Knights are, are wanting to do this season. You know who I think played one of his better games last night? Was Alex Petrangelo? Yeah, he was everywhere. Yeah, and uh, got caught a little bit on the neutral zone, and and LA countered it. It was actually Yanmark and and Petrangelo who were leading a rush, and it might have been one of those spots where you're a little unfamiliar uh, with each other, and and there's a turnover, and back went uh, went LA to score a goal. But Petrangelo was everywhere last night in that game, deep in the offensive zone deep in his own zone, leading rushes, making plays. Uh, I scored a goal off of uh, Lemieux's stick, uh, which is a, a, a very fortunate bounce. But that, uh, I, I think we're back to the place where he was prior to being injured, where he was knocking on that door uh, of being comfortable and being 
uh, in the right spot of knowing uh, and being familiar with everything and having the confidence to, to okay, let's flip the switch. Let's go. I'm going to be me now. I've, I've been uh, sort of inching along, inching along uh, as we get through uh, this season. I'm ready to go. I think we're about to see Alex Petrangelo as the player that everybody anticipated uh, mm-hmm. prior to the, the COVID pause, prior to the injury. Uh, it's, it's right there. Now, part of that has to do with L.A., and uh, you'd be naive to think that, uh, that, that L.A. didn't play a role in how well Vegas has looked the last couple of games because uh, L.A. was awful and they, loose yeah. and disinterested uh, to, a, to a certain point. Uh, just nothing. And then I'm not even talking about the goaltending, which wasn't very good at all. Never mind the fluky goal. Uh, it wasn't very good from John, Jonathan Quick and and uh, before that, Cal Peterson in the in the first game of the two game sweep. Uh, that played a role. But I I've been really uh, impressed the last couple of games by Alex Petrangelo. Yeah, I, I think that you're you're starting to see him activating more and more in the offensive zone, and when he does offense typically follows goals typically follow uh and you know for me like the goal though it's a fluky bounce it it was more indicative of the night that he had there were a couple of opportunities where Alex Petrangelo should have put the puck in the back of the net before that goal deflects off of uh, Brendan Lemieux stick and in past Cal Peterson I think you get rewarded because of the type of offensive game that Alex Petrangelo had last night. And my hope is that that kind of uh, settles him in, right? He starts to kind of, the, the points start to stick to Petrangelo because he's doing such good work in the offensive zone. I want to get into Marc-Andre Fleury and where he is and where he's going, uh, but we'll do that in the next segment. Plus, we will evaluate the Vancouver Canucks situation and how What's happening in the lower mainland of BC and in the North Division right now could impact the Vegas Golden Knights, even though they're playing in different divisions. This is the VGK Insider Show. Stay with us on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Couldn't keep it in the zone. Vegas gets it out. Patch ready, sets up Stevenson. Down the middle. Score! Chandler Stevenson with a burst of speed right down the throat of the King slot. He beats Peterson low on the left side. Vegas extends the lead. 4-1 Golden Knights, 4-12 to go second period. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. I had this thing with uh, Chandler Stevenson. I go back and forth with him whenever I get a chance to, to chat with him, which isn't often right now because of mm-hmm. the uh, the COVID limitations and the restrictions that are in place. But I love it when he goes five-hole. And, and every now and then he'll change it up because he'll get stopped on that because he's so effective on going uh, five-hole on his breakaways. And uh, normally it's the deke. Normally it's the deke. And last night he shot five-hole on Cal Peterson, and he scored on that breakaway. And that was like, – it was it was like he was a rubber band that got shot out of a rubber band and went right down the middle uh, of that one, uh, like a practice drill with Max Pacioretty putting it on the tee, and away he went as the Vegas Golden Knights uh, clobbered the L.A. Kings 6-2, 6-2 on the year against the L.A. Kings, uh, completing that eight-game series. Darren Millard along with Ryan Wallace, a lot to get into here. Uh, part of the fallout from last night's uh, victory, and just a, a note here, 6-2 and two against one opponent, uh, that is, that's really, really impressive. I don't care whether there's separation between the teams, uh, L.A., made a push halfway through this year and and it's fading now but uh you may have caught la at the right time still 
six wins, 12 points out of one team uh, on the year. Well done. Yeah, I mean, it's taking care of business, right? Like, that's that's what the Golden Knights wanted to come in and do against the LA Kings, and, and they accomplished that goal. And, you know, you, you, you are a Stanley Cup contender because of what you do in the regular season, and you've got to play the teams in front of you, and you've got to dominate the ones that are below you in the standings, and that's what the Golden Knights did against LA this year. Golden Knights take six of eight against the LA Kings, and in last night's game... Congratulations to Marc-Andre Fleury, who has won back-to-back and now is in sole possession of fourth all-time among goaltenders in NHL wins as he breaks that deadlock with Ed Belfort. The players ahead of him, Roberto Luongo, Patrick Waugh, and Mm -hmm. Martin Brodeur. The top four, all French-Canadian goaltenders, and all from a very similar era. I mean, I'm I'm not terribly surprised. It's uh, it's I, I would argue the goaltending mecca of the world, right? Like, uh, you've got uh, you've got guys that that grew up with those legends and 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 idolizing those legends. When you hear Marc Andre talk about Patrick Waugh, it's it's no surprise that that goaltending runs so deep, uh, in in that area of Canada. And you know, Marc Andre Fleury, he's just uh, he's just a guy that's played. A lot of hockey, and he's a battler, and he has found ways to win throughout his entire career, and he's played on some really awesome teams, and and you know the Golden Knights being one of those two, the, one of those two teams. So um, he he works hard. He's a consummate pro. He's always always uh, engaged in practice. It's no surprise that he has become this successful in the NHL. First ballot Hall of Famer. He uh, should pass Roberto Luongo. Uh, before the end of the year, uh, Luongo at uh, four eight nine, and uh, right now uh, Mark Andre Fleury at four eight five. When it comes to victories, uh, let's take a look at that list though uh, a, a little closer. And uh, we have uh, Martin Brodeur, who is the is close to Mark Andre in temperament, easygoing, uh, would uh, played behind a, a great defense. Uh, brilliant puck handler, has played a different style, more of a more of a stand up uh, style. Uh, Patrick Watt, incredibly intense, uh, borderline arrogant, but uh, so uh, <laughs> so focused. And no, and, and I give him that's that's a compliment to him. Yes, like, yeah, that, no, hundred percent. That is not a knock on 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 Patrick Watt. He he was like. That. He had to be the guy. He went to the Olympics in 1998. The only reason he would go to the Olympic Games, accepted Team Canada's invitation, is if he could play every game. Like he wasn't going to go if he wasn't going to play every game. And uh, that's selfish. That's cocky. That's arrogant. That's Patrick Watt. That's what made him good. They didn't win that mainly because of Dominic Hasek. But uh, but <laughs> no, nobody else does that. But Patrick Watt. Uh, then you have uh, Roberto Luongo, who might be sort of. In, in in between the two. Uh, social media, uh, so funny, so great. Uh, good guy, uh, but also had that uh, that real dialed-in ability. Uh, Olympic champion himself, and uh, and uh, the guy that, uh, that was the third goaltender with Roberto Luongo and Martin Brodeur in Vancouver in 2010 is Marc-Andre Fleury. Different style, 
more of a hybrid, uh, can play stand-up, can play butterfly, can, uh, can, can get involved uh, uh, with, the, with the mental aspect of, and be so easygoing. It's, it's funny to see the top four and, and be so totally different, even though they're cut from that same part of the world in Quebec. You know, it's interesting because with, with Marty Brodeur, I think the most enduring images that I have of Brodeur is just how calm he was at all times. It didn't really matter what was going on around him in the game. Like, he was just dialed in and focused in on what he was doing, and nothing really seemed to phase him. Patrick Waugh, for my money, was the type of goalie I always want to watch because he he just was so unpredictable at times and he wore his emotions on his sleeve and he was not afraid to skate halfway across the rink and jump into opposition and throw hands. And, you know, Roberto Luongo, it, it, to me, is one of those guys that, you know, I, I don't know that he, in the moment, during his 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 best years, I think that there was so much scrutiny on him because we all knew he was so good, but you just you fall short of that ultimate prize of winning a Stanley Cup, and I think that that's one of those things that you just you don't really get the credit you deserve for being as good as you were in Roberto Luongo. For Marc Andre Fleury, he he's recognized as one of the best because he's won and he's won often, and and you know the temperament, the the consummate professionalism, the being a a good teammate, like all of that stuff just speaks volumes about Marc-Andre Fleury. I'm going to uh, kind of run through a list. If if I had one game yeah. to play and I mm-hmm. had to pick a goaltender from those four, I'm going Patrick Waugh for one game. If I have a season uh-huh. where I have to take one of those goaltenders, I want the goaltender uh, that, that, that I have to use all year, I'm going Martin Brodeur because just uh, he's – was able to be healthy, uh, even keeled, could handle a great workload. If I'm a teammate, I'm taking Mark Andre Fleury all day long. He's coming yeah. up with big saves, but uh, he's not uh, he's not uh, the goalie <laughs> as we talk about. He's not a goalie uh, <laughs> from from the uh, the the temperament uh, side of it. I think as a teammate, there's no doubt who uh, who would be uh, the most fun. To, to hang out with and, and go through that journey with. And Roberto Luongo in a tournament setting, if it's an Olympics, if it's a World Cup, I'm taking Roberto Luongo, a World Junior Championship, World Hockey Championship, Olympic Games, stood on his head uh, with uh, with incredible performances. A World Cup uh, in the early 2000s, uh, he stepped in when uh, Martin Brodeur got hurt, and he won a huge semifinal game for Team Canada. Uh, in in that World Cup, and then the Olympic Games, he took over from Martin Brodeur in 2010, was the uh, goaltender of record. So very different guys, very different uh, uh, approaches to the game physically and mentally, and uh, and different areas that I would take each goaltender given uh, different scenarios. Yeah, I, I don't think that there's any hole in your logic. I, I mean, if if we're only going with Brodeur, Wall, Luongo, and Fleury, I think you've kind of uh, hit on on what each guy did to did, did better than maybe the others, right? Like mm-hmm. than his contemporaries. You you know you've got a great teammate in Marc Andre Fleury. You know you've got an absolute workhorse in Martin Brodeur, and you know you've got Patrick Waugh to go out there and just say, "I'm not letting anything in. I, we're going to win because I'm not going to get beat tonight." Yeah, just and, an arrogant and, son of a gun. 
and and you know what? Like it, it's 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 one thing to bo- to to go out there and say it. It's another thing to go out there and do it. And Patrick Waugh, more often than not in his career, went out and did it. And, and and you know what? When you've got that air about you, when you go out on, onto the ice and you say, "I'm not going to give up a goal tonight," so we're good. Like it's good. And then you go out and you actually do that. You get to be arrogant. You get to to have yeah. that that confidence about you. And and that's part of what I loved about Patrick Waugh growing up, watching him play, is he knew he was the best. He knew that he was better, and he knew he wasn't giving anything up. And there was nothing anyone could do about it. Uh, how many people do you think are tweeting right now going, Millard's calling somebody arrogant? Really? Pot I don't know. I'll check again. Twitter. Uh, I'll there's, t- uh, there's probably something. Hey, uh, you want to know a mar- funny Martin Brodeur story? Uh, it was after the 22 uh, uh, Olympic Games in which Canada won the Olympic gold medal in Salt Lake City. And I was on a boys' trip to New York with a few of the fellas. Mm-hmm. And we ended up being at a New Jersey Devils game. And I wouldn't say that there was a large crowd there. Uh, and we decided to to move down to a section that had that had a few empty seats, and little did we know uh, we were we were sitting there. And Broder does this he, every TV timeout. He would put his mask up and he would go for a skate, and that's what uh, that was him just like checking out for the moment. And and then when he put his mask back down, he was right back into the game. But he found it exhausting if he if he tried to focus the entire game. He played so many games. Uh, and so many minutes that he had to find different ways to handle that intensity in game. So he goes for his uh, his usual skate. He's got the mask up, and he's and he he skates into sort of where our corner is, and he looks, he looks back again. And I covered the 2002 Olympic Games, but uh, I wouldn't say that Marty Berdur would know who the hell I was. But I was there, <laughs> and in the back of my mind, he's looking at us. Sure. And then he skates back, and he does a twirl, and he looks back again, and and I'm thinking. There's no way he recognizes me. Plus, I'm like, uh, I'm on a boys' trip. I'm having some fun. It ends up we're, we moved down to the family section of the New Jersey Devils, and <laughs> we were we were sitting right with uh, with the various. We didn't have no we had no idea that uh, that these are the wives and the kids uh, of, yeah. of the New Jersey Devils. And he wondered, who are these four Lugans? Sitting there that I don't know and and pounding beers, laughing and having fun, not paying any attention. Like who are they? Uh, yeah. So that was I've never had a chance to talk to him about that, but it was one of those ones where when we found out, we uh, beat a hasty retreat out of that 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 section. But he noticed like you, you wonder what they're seeing when they're skating around. Broder yeah. seemed to notice everything. So uh, what's the difference between a maroon and a lugan? Um, not much. I, I would say alcohol. <laughs> in, in in the case of the uh, the four Lugans uh, at yeah. uh, at the Meadowlands Arena on that night, yeah, uh, w- we were we were we were Lugans because of uh, of alcohol intake. Uh, so a maroon that, can turn into a Lugan. Based maroon on al- has alcohol. These, yes, yes, but uh, <laughs> but a maroon is is just more sober uh, idiocy, uh, whereas the lugan it is it is alcohol fueled. That's a good question, and uh, and and I'm surprised I had an answer for it. But in the case of of four lugans, uh, in in what we what we did that weekend in New York, have you ever been in New York City? I I I mean I have, but I was really young. Okay, so you haven't been it. there in in your yeah. adult life. Yeah. Um, I, I've done. I, I've had the great fortune uh, over the years to do some really cool things in New York City. I was there when when Eric Lindros was traded uh, to the New York Rangers, 
and ended up at a bar called the China Club. I don't know whether China Club's still there, but uh, <laughs> it was it was the place to be. And uh, I was with Nick Kiprios, and we, we were out, and uh, uh, we were out with Eric, uh, and he was. Uh, it was after he'd been introduced to, uh, to the New York Rangers. End up at the bar. I look to my right at the bar as I'm ordering a beer, and Pavel Brendel is right beside me. Who's Pavel Brendel, you say? Pavel Brendel was the prospect that the Philadelphia Flyers, the hot shot prospect that the Philadelphia Flyers got in exchange for Eric Lindros in that trade between <laughs> the Flyers and the New York Rangers. And I'm at the bar sitting between, standing there ordering a beer between Eric and Pavel, and I knew Pavel yeah. from our, from the Memorial Cup in the junior days. I'm like, hey, hey, guys, <laughs> meet each other. You guys were just uh, were just traded for each other. There's all kinds of things. I did a um, uh, I, I won't get into it, but New York City, like I love Vegas, but New York City, you have to, uh, you guys have to go there uh, as a uh, as a couple weekend or go as a as a boys weekend because it's just like it's like no other place in the world. I'm not sure I could live there. But there is an electricity of New York City that uh, that is just wild. It can can an introvert really really take care of himself in in that environment? Because I have a hard time uh, being uh, around uh, large large yeah. concentrations of. No, people. you can because you get you just get used to it. I'm the same way, man. You yeah. you and I are, are yeah. very similar. Uh, sure, but it uh, it just I do things in New York City and and go out and walks runs whatever that I would never do anywhere else. It just it just sucks you in. There's a that vibe of New York City, and I love it when the Golden Knights do their annual trip there uh, around Christmas, and the guys talk about the the energy of the city. It, it's awesome. We're gonna get to the uh, Vancouver Canucks and how that situation is going to affect or could affect the Golden Knights uh, as we continue. Plus, good news of the day as we roll on on this VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. <laughs> It's time for the good news of the day on the VGK Insider Show. The good news of the day is brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union, prioritizing people over profit. Milan Lucic played his 1,000th career NHL game earlier this week against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Lucic celebrated the night as only he could with an assist and a fight and missing an open net on what should have been a Gordie Howe hat-trick. Lucic fought Scott Sabarin. You know Scott Sabarin, the guy that Austin Matthews famously didn't know who he was during a preseason game in the first period of a, a pretty interesting game. And the bout came about in an interesting way. There was a face-off. It was a false face-off. Both guys dropped their mitts, had to pick it back up, get themselves refocused, and then the puck was dropped again. They threw hands. It was a pretty pretty good fight. Sabrin caught Lucic with a couple of hits, a couple of punches in the beginning of the fight. Now, it's interesting because hockey is so different. Scott Sabrin said after the game, he went up to Milan Lucic and said, Hey, listen, congratulations on playing in 1,000 games. Do you want to fight? And Lucic obliged. I, I love hockey. Hockey's incredibly interesting in that way. And congratulations to Milan Lucic, who was an absolute thorn in the side of the most hated team that ever played the 2011 Vancouver Canucks. Did you say Sabrin went up to him before the game? No, no, no. Dur- during during the the uh, right before the fight, and said, "Okay, congratulations." It was after a goal, I think. 
Yeah, huh. yeah. Congratulations uh, on 1,000. Let's fight. That was uh, – I, I don't know why, uh, actually, Milan would have done that at that point, but uh, he's actually he's played really well this year. It, yes. Uh, yeah. I thought he was done. Uh, so did a lot of other people. That That's not a hot take. What, nice one, uh, Mark. <laughs> uh, we all thought he was done. He's done a good job of staying in the, in the game, and he's an important part of that team. I don't think they're as out of it as some people believe. When you compare the difference in, in points in, in the standings where Calgary is right now in that difficult north division and mm-hmm. what they have to do, uh, 